Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is John Hunter Nemechek from Nimco Motorsports, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the November 30th edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. This is episode 125 of the series. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Lally and myself will be reviewing the NASCAR season, as well as every other sort of Mars sports we can think of for this week. This is our first off-the-cuff broadcast in a while, so hopefully we don't have any issues, no gremlins, no anything else. First off, how was your Thanksgiving last week? <clears throat> it was good. It was pretty cold, though. How was your Thanksgiving? It was hot. There were not. It was a. It was interesting. The uh, saw some my cousin and met his new girlfriend and my aunt and uncle were there and my dad and his and my uh, stepmother. So it was kind of interesting. It wasn't that bad. The food was good. It was. Uh, it was nice. Pie was really good. No, <laughs> can't go wrong with apple pie. So, mm-hmm. so do you see the uh, the news the other day that the. Uh, they announced the Mazda lineup for next year. Uh, Tristan Nunez will be one of the drivers for next season. They've also brought in a bunch of other drivers. Um, they've got some guys from the former Team Yost team, some former Audi drivers, a few former Porsche drivers. They've got a guy from the TTM series, as well as Jonathan Bomarito, who was with the uh, who drove with the Mazda team last season. So it looks like it's going to be a pretty good year for uh, for the Mazda prototype team. Hopefully, it'll be it'll be nice. Yeah, no, I haven't, and I've been following their pages too, and I haven't really seen anything lately. Yeah, well, they had the they rolled it out at the the Los Angeles Auto Show yesterday. Um, Dean Case and uh, and what's his name, Jade Gerse, were uh, were there. So they sent out a bunch of information on their own pages, and they just had a release come out yesterday, which I published on SpeedwayDigest dot com in the racing news section. Check it out there. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I think that the I hope that the, the car does better the next season than it did this year. That's kind of the reason why they pulled it uh, roughly halfway through the year. Um, there hasn't been any news at all about Speed Source and what they're doing. So so we'll see if they they end up going racing again next year, or what they do, or if they end up just the uh, that ends up just being the end of that team. Um, so far, it looks like there's going to be at least twenty prototypes that the at the Daytona 24-hour race, the Rolex 24 at Daytona, taking place the end of the end of next January, the end of the month in January. Um, so that should be good. Uh, I know that Jackie Chan Racing is going to be there, which will be interesting. I, I don't know how they're going to promote that, but uh, it should be pretty cool to see see Jackie Chan running around the Daytona National Speedway. Yeah. What what exactly is Jackie Chan race? He does a, a they race a prototype. It's a P two car. It actually finished in in second overall at the the uh, twenty four hours of Le Mans last year. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that mm-hmm. sounds interesting. I'll have to YouTube it. Mhm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the 24 hours of Le Mans last year was insane with all the all the prototypes going out of the race, and they had the the people who were the drivers who were afraid of getting out of the car because the their hybrid cars with the the electric motors, and they were afraid that when they died, the grounding wasn't right, so they they had to jump like five feet away from the car and didn't want to touch the ground while they were still touching the car. It was pretty pretty intense. Wow, that does sound kind of scary. Mm-hmm. So what's your next plan in the world of racing? Do you have anything worked out for, for next year? I know it's big of, it'll be a few months because it's a little chilly out there. Well, as of right now, I think we'll probably be in the mini stock class again. But with all the tracks literally closing around here, it's going to be kind of tough. To, we'll have to probably travel a decent ways, but Efreda is supposed to be opening back up, which we've heard before. But now Yakima is closing, which is like an hour and a half from us. And Oregon has closed, which would have been a fun track to race at. So it's kind of sad to see all of these, you know, sport tracks, local tracks closing. Mm-hmm. Well, you can tell even if – I know you've said you've started following some of the stuff on the uh, on Mav TV and some of their races. They've got the Saturday night specials and stuff they're replaying from the, the year. You can see actually even at the Lucas Oil Speedway there in – in Missouri, there's nobody in the grandstands for Saturday night races. And the only reason why they have those races there is because of the full sponsorship and the support of Mav TV and all that. But, but there's nobody who, it seems like the, the local short tracks are starting to have some serious issues picking up anybody to show up at the track and you can't have anybody can't have racing. If nobody shows up to, to watch it, it doesn't work out that well. Nope, and I think that's what a lot of the tracks are starting to learn around here. Not even just around mm-hmm. here, but everywhere. It seems like there's tracks closing left and right. Yep, and even with the with the bigger tracks, with the the fact that they're reducing the the no, amount of seating at the grandstand, some of it by removing the grandstands entirely, others by by covering over them with uh, with sponsor banners. If you watch the uh, the race from Charlotte, they had the uh, which is what a month ago or so now they had the the whole front stretch covered the grandstands along the the front stretch and the ones are on the back stretch covered with banners so they blocked out the people they did the same thing at homestead they've been doing for a few years now and that's uh it might look okay on tv but if you're there it makes it look a little dirty at the track it's just sort of sort of uh, a cheap way of doing it and i i don't know what the answer is i know the the answer that the track people would hope is to bring people in, but that's that's uh, easier said than done. Even at Homestead, when they had all the they had all the stuff there for for Dale Jr. and for for Kenseth and and a smaller extent for uh, for Danica Patrick, they weren't able to fill up the grandstands this year, and uh, that's not a good thing. Yeah, didn't you say that they they cover the stuff to make the stands look less empty? Mm-hmm. And they reposition the people too. They do, they do ticket sales where they adjust the, uh, they put all the people in the middle, and they they advise the uh, the TV people just to show the section where the people are, and uh, they've done the same thing at IndyCar races before. Um, when we went to the the first time I went to the, uh, the IndyCar race in St. Pete, which takes place at the end of the middle of March next year, 
we have the tickets for that. That'll be kind of interesting. The first time we did the uh, did that event, the the grandstand that I had bought tickets for was eliminated because they didn't have enough. Uh, they didn't sell enough tickets, and they just basically threw away the grandstand. Told them they didn't need it, and we ended up having to go to a special place and and get a replacement ticket for a a totally different grandstand in a totally different part of the track, and that uh, that kind of sucked too. But they do that a lot, especially in in temporary road courses. Um, they don't really have the option at, at permanent facilities, but it's pretty. There's some pretty sneaky stuff they do to make it look better for television. Sometimes. Hmm. Well, that doesn't surprise me, really. Mm-hmm. Seems like they'll do anything to get their money, really. Yep. Now, do you see that uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. today was announced as the Grand Marshal for the Daytona 500 for next year? I did not see that. See, he can't stay away already. That's it. Uh, <laughs> you should get your Daytona fund ready now and ask Santa Claus for tickets to come down for the Daytona 500 next year. Yeah, well, we've tossed the idea back and forth again, but I think mm-hmm. we're going to try to catch um, the race that we discussed a couple shows ago. I can't remember which race it was, but at the uh, racetrack in Oregon. What was it called? Yep. I can't remember. The IndyCar race Portland. that we're going to have in Portland. It's, yeah. It's next year, Portland International Raceway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to try to go to that. That should be pretty cool. I know that the uh, most of the races they've had there at Portland recently have been have been smarter, smaller scale events. They have had a couple of uh, of Trans Am events there recently, and it looks like a pretty cool pretty cool track. And I don't know what the lineup is exactly for next year. They haven't they've been trickling out little bits here and there. They've got a Pirelli race that's going to be sometime earlier in the summer, the Pirelli World Challenge. Um, then they've got the IndyCar race there in November. That'll be pretty awesome. Um, so that'll be neat. Hopefully they end up with a uh, – actually, I think, it, I think it's November. It might be a little early in the year. But they've, they've got the, uh, the IndyCar race there. And the IndyCar race generally tours with the uh, the stadium super trucks. Hopefully they're able to bring those guys in. And then they've also got the, the Mazda Road Indy. And the uh, Mazda Road Indy, a lot of those people we've talked to on the show recently. So – Hopefully, we're going to have a few others. I got some some pretty good responses from three of the racers who are going to be in the Mazda Road to 24 Combine. So we're going to schedule those guys probably for for January. That's what we're looking at right now. Is the, and the uh, it'll be the middle to end of January because there's an extended break for the uh, Speedway Digest Radio Network, which starts in in December. I believe it starts in like like two weeks. Let me look at the calendar here. And I believe our last show is slated for December 21st. I'm not positive we're going to be doing a show on the 21st, but as of right now, our last show for this year is scheduled for for Thursday, December 21st, and then we return from the break on Thursday, Thursday, January 18th, 2018. So that'll be a a good few, like almost a month break from the show. That'll be that'll be pretty good. It'll be interesting. Uh, it'll give us the opportunity to schedule some some awesome people for the program. We're hoping for next year. We've got, as I stated, we've got a few a few contacts with the Mazda Road to 24 who are going to be be on the program early next year. I might try and squeeze a couple of those guys in 
in December. Um, so let's keep our fingers crossed for that. Also, we're probably going to do a different slate of program next week on uh, on December 7th. I'm trying to trying to possibly do a little bit of a crossover between this program and the Speedway Digest, as well as Palm Beach Happening. I haven't quite ironed out all the details to that, but I will post that on the Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder Facebook page, as well as on my Twitter account. So be sure to and the Twitter account for Palm Beach Happening. So be sure to check that out. Um, what I'm working on right now is to have the <clears throat> excuse me have the Harris Brothers from Storage Wars on the program next week, as well as a guest from Palm Beach International Raceway. Now I haven't had much luck as of yet getting anybody from Palm Beach International Raceway to to reply to my emails, but we are still trying that, so hopefully that'll work out. Um, as most of you know, last week was the, uh, this past weekend, was the Citrus Nationals there at Palm Beach International Raceway. It was a pretty, pretty okay event. I wouldn't call it good, I wouldn't call it bad, but it was okay. And if you like the, uh, the jet cars from Larson Motorsports, which we've had, we've talked to on this program, then you'd love the the event because they were out there on Saturday. They were out there, I think, three times with the cars. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. They also had Bob Motes, who races in the uh, the jet powered tractor trailer there. That's insane with the the uh, the bomber engine in that, the two jet engines, and sets the the uh, the track building on fire every time it goes. And that's kind of cool. Um, and then they had a ton of bracket cars. They had the uh, the box cars, no box cars. They had some of the street outlaw guys, which were hokey, but that was okay. They had some quick 16 cars, which is sort of like the pro mod type guys um, running down the track. They had a bunch of junior dragsters, and the junior dragster field was, was impressive because some of those people you might end up hearing from in the future. Others of them, they've got their cars up for sale because they don't have a a good sponsor, and it's really expensive to run those sort of cars for people, especially when you don't have any sort of sponsor and you're just trying to, to muddle through it. But I think that's sort of the issue with racing right now is the fact that it's all way too sponsor-driven. And if you don't have a have a, a strong sponsor, it's difficult to get your foot in the door, difficult to, to maintain the teams, and difficult to, to even get a job with any of the, any of the not only the, the major teams, but some of the smaller ones as well. We talked about that as well on this program fairly often, a lot during our first year, some during our second year. So it's kind of a uh, kind of a shame that the the sport is changing, and I think that some of the some of the teams might understand the fact that the sport is changing is not necessarily the best thing. Some of them are just in it for the money, and some of them are trying to are sort of burying their heads in the sand and and not sure what the uh, trying to ignore the fact that the sport's changing, even though the, the tracks are closing all around them and, and the uh, teams are having to adjust. And and even the, the teams like Front Row Motorsports, where they sold one of their charters and they uh, they sold it to... You have to look out for they sold it to. I don't have that information right in front of me now, but they sold it to uh, to one of the teams that doesn't necessarily have the money to buy that charter and now there's another legal issue going on where the bank is claiming that they own the charter for a NASCAR team, and, and I don't know what the bank's going to do with the charter for the NASCAR team. But it's just a, a, a bad situation overall, and uh, and there's no real good answers to it. Um, 
it's one of the things where I'm sure that if there was a good answer, the uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be the one who had it. If I did, I I wouldn't uh, probably wouldn't tell you on this program because I try to sell it to one of the major sanctioning bodies. But it's just the changing demographics, the changing in uh, in people's people's uh, attention spans because a lot of these races are really really long and people get bored quickly. Um, so there's there's a lot of issues there. Plus the fact that people aren't quite as interested in automobiles as we used to, not even a less than a generation ago. And uh, people don't want to, not as many people go out for their driver's licenses when they turn 16, they wait or they, or they just decide they don't need them. Um, so, and the car culture is different and there's a bunch of issues there. And it's just a, it's a definitely a time of transition for the, the motorsports community. And it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. Yeah. Did you rush to get your license when you turned? I don't know if you had to be 18 to get your license back then, did you? Nope. 16. I got I was got my learner's permit the minute I turned 15 and got my first car about a month after I turned 16. What was your was first car? Awesome. 1967 MG 1100. I'm going to Google that. Yeah. No seat in the back seat. So it was awesome to go around the corners, especially when I had lots of people in the car. Um, <laughs> so, and just the, the lap belts in the front, it had a little, a little light on it. It had where you can, as an indicator for the, the blinkers, that was the only indicator in the car. Um, the speedometer didn't really work very well. When it did, you you couldn't believe what it said. Um, it only had 1,200 original miles. It was worth, we paid 1,200 for it, and they said you can probably get 16. So, because it was just a little piddly car. It was a fun car. It was neat looking. It was awesome, but there weren't very many in this country, and it uh, it was cool to, to drive around. It was sort of a, more of a, a look-at-me type car than, the, than anything else. It was neat. It was fun. And like I said, it was fun to bang people around in the backseat of it. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, those cars do look cute. They, they kind of look mm-hmm. like those little cars that people try to fit like 12 people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Then I went from, went from there and I drove my dad's car around a little bit because the, the MG wasn't accustomed to being driven as hard as I drove it. But it it would fly. And, uh, and then it's transmission died and then it's all sorts of other things started going wrong and it was it wasn't the sort of car you want to pour a lot of money into unless you had a lot of money to pour into it in which case it was a perfect car for that it's a perfect project car and we weren't in the mood to do a project car so they moved on to a dodge and all sorts of little things it was fun it was nice it was a great first car awesome My uh, the second car I had was a a Dodge Charger, which could go go down the quarter mile in less than seven seconds. So, which was fa- pretty fast for a for a street stock car. So, did that one time. That's all you need. But, yeah. Well, what do you drive now? Uh, 
Toyota, not a Toyota, a Scion XB. Oh, those are cute. Nice happy box. I see that you recently got a a new to you car as well. It's the newest car I have owned so far. It's a 2004 Honda Civic Si EP3 edition. So it's the hatchback, but mm-hmm. it's cute. Like it's a it's a really nice little car. It's fast, probably little. Too fast, maybe, but mm. pretty fast. I like it a lot. It's not an Eclipse, though, which is what I was really leaning towards again. But I decided I needed something kind of new, a change anyway. Time to eclipse the Eclipse idea. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I kind of have some bad luck with Eclipses, though. So. Now you need to get one of those. Rice burner bumper stickers for the back of your Honda. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get... Actually, I'm going to... Oh, I mean, I'm a sticker person, so of course I'm going to get a sticker. But mm-hmm. I, I have, like, plans for the car. Like, I'll tell you my big secret right now. Come summertime, I'm going to have hot pink wheels on that baby. So it'll really stick out in a crowd. There you go. That should be something. You need to get the pink yeah. neon for the for the underside too. <laughs> um, unfortunately, with how low that car is right now, it's already hard to go over train tracks. So. <laughs> I think that the underglow would probably just get broken. It might. You never know. It looks cool, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I stated a few moments ago, the uh, the race there at Palm Beach International, they seem to have their... They're trying really hard. And that's a, that's a good thing for their track. I don't know whether they've... Uh, I know they've got a whole new management team out there. They've got a whole new PR team. They've got great great ideas. They're going to have the uh, the Formula Drift cars out there in December. So that'll be an interesting change. They've got a, a truck Sierra thing out there also in December. That's where they bring out the, the different trucks. They have some, some former pro stock truck guys who come out and race there. And, and that'll be interesting to see. I'm kind of curious to see how the Formula Drift thing goes because they're actually opening that up for people who have the uh, have the skid plate adjustments in their own cars. So that's only $75 if you want to go down the track and, uh, and, and drift around the corners of the, one of the best road courses in the United States, at least according to their original information. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't chance going around the, the corners of that track. The, you might end up at the, in the tire wall a little too much, especially if you if you think you know what you're doing and you don't really know what you're doing, but It'll be something to see anyway. Um, they also are supposedly having some sort of major announcement in the next few weeks concerning the the uh, the next generation of of drag racing they're going to try and bring out to the track. I know in the past 
we went out there and saw the uh, the pro winter warm up, which was really cool with the NHRA touring cars. It filled up the entire track. Um, the guys were going more than 320 miles an hour down the quarter mile there, and uh, plus it's the further south that the the National Outdoor Association went. So I'm hoping that that is the rumor that's actually true. Um, but there's all sorts of of different rumors flying around about the track. So let's keep our fingers crossed that we'll actually get good racing back out of Palm Beach International Raceway. Um, hopefully they actually take advantage of the road course as well because they, the one of the best ARCA races I ever saw, either on television or or in person, was out there at Palm Beach International like five years ago, and it was it was pretty cool. Hopefully they do something like that. I know they have the facility. They're working on the on everything else, and it's, it has opportunity, but hopefully it doesn't end up being like one of the the numbers of tracks who are starting to close around the country. That was what I thought a few months ago. Now I have a little bit more faith. A little bit. Very little. But it's there. As I said, we're probably going to do a little bit different format next week. Um, I'm still waiting on final confirmation from some of the guests we have scheduled for next week. And hopefully we end up working out or having a really good show next week and try and change up the format for like a once a month thing just to do something a little different. It'll be fun and hopefully you enjoy it. Are you a race car driver? But every show is fun. It is. It's all fun in its own way. And hopefully it... uh, Hopefully it just gets a little bit better. That's all I'm looking for. A little bit better all the time. Are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner, or maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport? Contact either Michael Malley or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out Pat's episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at SpeedwayDigestRadioNetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all aspects of more sports at SpeedwayDigest.com. I did, I think, 18 articles in the past few days about... Uh, about various aspects of racing news. Um, I've got 10 other ones that are probably going to be posted tomorrow. So be sure to check out the racing news section. It's got some awesome information about the uh, next year's schedule, as well as this weekend where they reopened the Formula E series for their, their fourth year. They're kind of an off schedule thing, but IndyCar's done the same sort of thing in the past. And, and it's always, it changes it up. So in addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which can be found by visiting palmbeach.happeningmag.com. We've recently done a bunch of started our holiday coverage as uh, Thanksgiving was last week, and we're doing probably at least two holiday-related pieces per day. I'm trying to do at least two. Um, we're getting a ton of information. It has slowed down a little bit, but as I said, I'm trying to do at least two a day. Uh, we've got the uh, the holiday sweater crawl, crawl thing coming up soon. Um, tonight was the tree lighting, both in Delray Beach as well as near, here in West Palm. So those are pretty awesome events. I was actually invited to the West Palm Beach thing, but the Thursday 
uh, is just too insane sometimes there at the Clematis uh, by night, and we'll definitely go check out the sandy trees sometime in the next few days. So that'll be awesome. What sort of Christmas events do you have out where you are? Well, I don't know if you've ever heard of Leavenworth, 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 whatever. It's hard to say. But um, it's, like, really populated around this time because they do, like, a special Christmas tree lighting. But literally every building in that town, like, I'm not even exaggerating. This is why they're famous. Every building in that town gets decked out with Christmas lights. So there's not hmm. a single building in the town that does not have Christmas lights. Cool. Yeah. Other than that, it's pretty basic around here. Yeah, there's a there's a huge amount of stuff around here. Um, a lot of it is the uh, well, it's the world's largest uh, sand tree. It weighs 600 tons. It's just over 35 feet tall. That opened today. They've got the 100-foot-tall tree there in Delray Beach um, that you can actually walk through. They've got like a little Santa's workshop thing, a bunch of animatronics. They've got Santa Claus there and all that. Um, so that's in Delray. And all the other cities around here, Point Beach has their own tree. Um, they had the, uh, the city of Lake Worth has an intergalactic Christmas parade coming up on, on the 16th um, where they probably have a bunch of – I think they probably do like a Star Wars thing considering that the new Star Wars movie opens up on, on December 15th. Um, so there's always something, and uh, and Lake Worth tries really hard. They try to theme it with whatever is big that year. They had the Grinch a few years ago. And it was, it's kind of cool. Um, but what we're going to be doing on the 16th will be a deadly sweater crawl, and that'll be interesting, too. Next weekend, we're going to do the Bad Santa Crawl, which takes place in, in St. Petersburg. So we're going to be over there, heading over across the state for that one. I haven't been to that before. It's got some really good reviews, but haven't been there. Do you decorate your house like your? Do you put like Christmas lights and stuff up on your house and stuff for Christmas? Yep, haven't done that that this year yet, though. Probably this weekend. It was just too hot last weekend. I didn't want to be outside in ninety degree weather putting up Christmas lights. It just uh, not highly motivated to do that, especially since I have to go up in the attic and get down a few more things. Um, our Christmas trees up there. I have a feeling our Christmas tree bag is dead, considering we had the uh, a few holes in it last year. And this summer we had a few days where it was over 100, which means it's probably 140 or 160 in the attic. And the uh, I have a feeling I'm going to have to dig out piece by piece out of the and bring up a box and throw all the Christmas tree pieces in there so I can get them down easier. But I didn't put up all the Christmas stuff last year. I got it all sitting back in the in the den because I I started out this year with a really bad flu, and I just didn't I wasn't motivated to put it away. So it just sort of it's sitting there ready to be put away, which means it's ready to be put out this year. Makes it a little easier. Yep, there's a positive to every negative. There you go. Uh, well, as I stated, this will be our. Next weekend should be next week should be a pretty awesome show. Uh, as we say it, every show has its own degree of awesomeness, but next week should be should be a little different. Uh, I'm hoping that it'll be the uh, the beginning of some sort of some sort of cool 
partnership that we can do between between the Speedway Dodgers Radio Network side and the Palm Beach Happening side. But we'll see. Yeah, it's about time to end the show, and we'd like to thank you very much for listening. All right. Let's see. Since you were slacking and didn't send out script, <laughs> I can't remember the word. <laughs> hey, wait. Hold on. I got this. Hold on. All right. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week as we discuss the world of motorsports. Close enough, right? (laughs) It is, and more. Thanks again. Have a great week.